Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. So, I woke up this morning here on the road trip and I was hungry. But then my executive producer calls me and says, I know you're on the road, but we have a little business to handle. Here's my EP and the man in charge of Tobacco Road Sports Radio, the host of the Believe in Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, as well as the rundown with Desmond Johnson, my good buddy, Desmond Johnson, on the line with me on the Beamer Tyrant Auto Hotline. How are you, my friend? Man, from that intro, it sounds like I'm pretty busy. <laughs> it like I'm you're pretty busy. Right you're not the yeah. only one that's all over. You're not the only one that's all over the place. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Just happy to be working in this COVID world. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely happy. The folks on uh, my network, the SDM Sports Work uh, Sports Network, proud of the show. They're proud of you and what you do with the rundown. Let's get into this sports buffet, man. Have we seen the last of Jim Harbaugh as the coach of Michigan? And if that is the case, which I believe it to be, where does he go next? I think we have. Um, just looking back at Jim Harbaugh's coaching career, he doesn't really stay anywhere longer than four or five years. Mm-hmm. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, year four at yep. Michigan. Um, he hasn't been able to beat Ohio State through multiple head coaches, Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day. Uh they're two and four this year. He's had enough time to get away from uh, the quote unquote using the previous coaches' recruits to the point now where the entire program, four years in, these are all kids that Jim Harbaugh brought in, and they're just underachieving. I, I, it feels like Michigan fans have a higher view of their football program than the rest of the country, considering Michigan hasn't won a national championship outright in like 70 years or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. So, I think Jim Harbaugh is at a point where the time would be right for him to come back to the NFL um, because in Michigan, he's he's not going to be able to topple what Ohio State's doing right now. Ohio State just basically convinced the entire conference to let them get into the college, uh, the, the college football playoff by letting them into the conference championship with five games mm-hmm. that they've played. Would they yep. have done that for uh, Wisconsin? Would they have done that for Northwestern? Probably not, nope. but, but but clearly Ohio State is the king of the Big Ten, and Michigan, Michigan has a long way to go. Does Jim Harbaugh have the patience to sit there and work that out? I don't think so. So I say yes, it is his last year at Michigan, and my gut tells me next year Jim Harbaugh will be the coach and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. You know, I Me, I agree. This is this is the I'm last time uh, this is the last time we're going to see Jim Harbaugh on a college sideline because the fit wasn't there to begin with, part 1, since he parted ways with San Francisco. Part 2, and this has been this has been true of the rivalry. And I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and I know this to be true. If you don't beat your rival, it's a bad year. Don't matter if you have 10 wins, 11 wins, a bowl game, or whatever. Michigan has not beaten Ohio State in a very long time. Jim Harbaugh right. with his like nine, under- nine, 10 years, something like that. It's been 11 years. It's been 11, 11 years. years since Michigan has beaten Ohio State. Actually, longer than that, because the last time they beat him was 2003. 2003. Oh, wow. It was 2003. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because uh, Jim Trestle was Jim Trestle was there. Then of course the Urban Meyer years, and now the Ryan Day years. Mm Flip to college basketball. Duke's coach Shishovsky was talking to the media after Tuesday's home loss to Illinois in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and he called on college basketball to consider whether it's best to continue playing. During the pandemic, coach said, quote, I know the NCAA is worried about the end game. They're not as worried about the game we're playing right now. Close quote. Would Coach K make these comments if the Blue Devils were 4-0 instead of 2-2? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, 
See, here's the problem, because uh, most people that know me and know you know what I do in the sports media world, they know that I'm a Carolina Tar Heel fan. Yes. Uh, first and foremost, so mm-hmm. they're they're gonna whatever I say, they're gonna take it with a grain of salt or be like, oh well, he's just salty towards <laughs> S- dude sour grapes. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I, my first thought when I saw this, when it started going around on first take yesterday and everything else, or really Wednesday when it first started going around after uh, Kay had his post-press conference after Illinois just basically took Duke to the woodshed. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tuesday night at, at Cameron. At Cameron. Uh, my first thought was, man, this is similar to 95 when mm-hmm. Duke basically came out the gate slow. They were starting to lose a bunch of games, especially at home. And all of a sudden, Coach K has a back surgery that he needs to have done immediately. He misses the entire season. Assistant Coach Pete Gaudet comes in, and Duke finishes dead last in the ACC. Mm-hmm. K comes back the next year, and the train starts rolling. And then next thing you know, Duke's in the national championship game, you know, like three years later. Right. That was my first thought when I heard this. That, oh, okay, he's trying to excuse the fact that his team isn't as good as they normally are. But after thinking about it for a little bit, I have to agree with Kay actually on this one because he was one of the coaches that voiced concern about doing this season. Indeed. Way back when college football started, even before then, he mm-hmm. was one of the front runners in terms of, of saying, you know, we need a plan. We need to have some sort of idea of what we're doing before yes. we start. And the only plan the NCAA put together was that everyone was going to start at the same time. That's really it. And they're mm-hmm. kind of loosely putting together a bubble for Indianapolis at the end. But they haven't made any plan about how to get to the end. Right. They're just trying to get in as many games as they can. And if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw the day that the NCAA had made it where the minimum requirement of games a team needs to play to potentially qualify for the NCAA tournament is only 13 games this mm-hmm. year. So they have they have it out there in terms of yep. what they kind of think is going to happen. It almost looks like they're going to stall or something's going to happen where they have to stop play for a while and then maybe come back and – march and run through may or something like that right but again and we've talked about this on the rundown before i don't understand why they're playing these non-conference games i get it there's tournaments and tv money and things of that sort Mm -hmm. but they could have recouped all of that by just simply not playing in november not playing in december starting with conference play for all uh you know all 35 conferences or whatever it is in uh, division one college basketball everyone starts the conferences at the same time and each conference is responsible for building their own bubble. Right. That way, the bigger conferences like the ACC that have, you know, 15 teams in it or the SEC, uh, they had enough time to figure out a city, put together logistics, pay for it, and basically have it where you could have all those games on TV because the major conferences have their own networks, mm-hmm. the ACC network, the Big Ten network, the SEC network. That's what these should be for. You know, if you if you've built these uh, – conference networks for things for the conference you already have a platform to get it all out where people aren't going to miss their team playing a game they'll just have basketball on from you know from 10 a.m to like midnight or whatever every day for like 10 weeks but who's gonna who's gonna balk at that all these kids are taking remote classes anyway it doesn't look like they're gonna send any of these classes back to campus or any of these kids back to campus anytime soon so they're gonna be in remote learning during spring semester also so each kid gets a laptop. You put them in a hotel. Uh, if you're if you're so hell bent on playing this season, we talked about it on the rundown. Greensboro offered to become a bubble for the ACC. They yep. already moved the tournament here uh, in March, so that's already here. They already have all the facilities in place to do it. It would not surprise me if uh, sometime around Christmas the ACC announces that they're going to do a bubble format for the entire league, for the entire conference play, um, and it's going to be in Greensboro. Because uh, if you look at it right now, Virginia's program's on hold because of COVID in the, in the program. NC State's on hold because of COVID in the program. Wake Forest is on hold because of COVID in the program. Um, Carolina had a game scheduled against Elon in basketball uh, tomorrow. That got canceled because Elon has it in their program. They rescheduled with North Carolina Central. Um, just look around. Like Most of these ACC schools have dealt with it. Wake Forest is really going through it right now through their football and basketball programs where – they haven't even played a third game yet this season because they've been so highly affected. So the only way to really get through the season is going to be with the bubble. And I think Kay is kind of testing the waters to see how much he can push them to do this. The problem is there isn't one person that runs college basketball. It's kind of done by committee, and it's really hard to get things done yeah. running by committee. But I don't think he was saying it because they're 2-2. Two and two. 
he knows that they're not as good as they normally are. And mm-hmm. he, he admitted that really in the press conference, but uh, Illinois is not bad and neither is Michigan state. No. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> those are two teams that might be around at the end of the year. So it's not like they were out here losing to, you know, you know, Guilford tech or something like that. Like they, they <laughs> lost some top 10 quality teams. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't think K needed to do anything like that. Although, you know, just poking fun and that's the nature of the rivalry to poke fun at something like that. But right. He does have a point. They do need to have some kind of plan if they're going to finish the season. Because right now, I am in the camp that they're not going to be able to finish the college basketball season. But uh, he may be on to something. Yeah, I think he is on to something. Um, backup question. I made a point on Wednesday's show, and I came out flat out and said the way it looked, UNC against Iowa, Duke against Illinois, as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, that both those teams came out flat and they got kicked in the teeth. Now, they're playing some quality opponents. Don't get it twisted. Iowa's ranked third. Illinois is ranked fifth. But at the same time, if you look at both of those games, UNC and Duke came out absolutely flat. Iowa and Illinois took full advantage out of it, raced out to a big lead, at least on Carolina's side. And I'm a Tar Heel fan myself. At least on Carolina's side, they competed. The entire game, they got back into the game. They had a brief lead. For Duke, it didn't look that way at all. They came out flat and they stayed flat. Your thoughts? Um, I will say I'm glad you noticed what Carolina did. I don't know what Roy Williams said to those kids in the locker room at halftime, but whatever he said, it pissed them off. Like mm-hmm. literally, not at him, not at him, but at what the way they were playing. Like right. they came out in the first. The first three or four plays they had coming out of the locker room were dunks. And they weren't just dunks. They were like loud, angry. Like I noticed them from my living room, how they were dunking the ball. Mm -hmm. Like they were mad at the hoop. And I said it, I was like, oh, they're kind of mad. Like they're they're big mad right now. I like this. And we didn't see that at all in uh, any Carolina game at all last year. And the difference between this year's Carolina team and last year's Carolina team is depth. Last year you had – Andrew Playtech starting some games because they just were depleted. They didn't have anybody. Right. Andrew Playtech is the eighth or ninth guy on this team. He should be like the third or fourth guy coming off the bench. And that's where his role is. He should be about 14, 15 minutes a game. And that's where he was last night. Came in, hit a couple of clutch threes. Carolina made a push. But when a team hits 17 three-pointers on you, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard on the road. It's going to be hard to, to beat that team. Even with – I thought the I thought the Tarles did a great job uh, defending Luca Garza the uh, perceived player of the year, preseason player of the year, uh, held him held him in check for most of the game, but there was a stretch where Garza was responsible for about 10 points yep. uh, in an Iowa run in the second half. It kind of gave him a cushion, and Carolina just couldn't get back over the hump again. I didn't really expect Carolina to win that game. Iowa's number three for a reason. They were favored to get to the Final Four last year. Yep. Everybody came back. Uh, Garza is a problem. Um, and they can shoot. Man, they can shoot. Like It felt like every time they came down, they were just raining threes. Mm-hmm. So that's hard to deal with. But with Duke, though, I made the comment out loud watching that game, and I realized it was the second time I said it watching a Duke game in the past like seven or eight days. It felt like I was in the bleachers watching a YMCA men's league game. Mm-hmm. Like it felt, You know what I mean? Like those games where it's like, you know, you're 23 or 24 – there's a there's an adult league at the Y. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same color shirt. You know what I mean? Like it's like all different shapes and sizes of, of guys. But there's like an 18 league, and you know you get a fancy trophy when it's over and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> it felt like watching <laughs> one of those games where it was like, and no knock on Duke because I know they have talent. They have five stars littered up and down the roster, but right. it, it, it it's like it doesn't match up or something. Like there's there's no spark. To this Duke team whatsoever. Like, there's no guy that that you can't keep your eyes off of. Usually, mm-hmm. they have that one guy where it's like, we're even on a play where he's not touching the ball. I'm following Zion Williamson around. Yep. I'm following Marvin Bagley Jr. around. I'm following Austin Rivers around or mm-hmm. uh, Jabari Parker. You know what I mean? Like, there's always one star guy that you know coming in. If they need a shot, they're going to get it to that guy. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who that guy is on this Duke team. They're trying to make it Jalen Johnson, but it feels like they're forcing it. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make him into the star, and I just don't see it. I know he had a great game, game one that they played, but that was at home against Coppin State, a mm-hmm. MEAC team. And no offense to the MEAC, but it's not the same level of competition as their last two games to Michigan State and Illinois, two Big Ten teams that showed that 
the Big Ten is far more superior than the ACC this year so far from what they've shown uh, in basketball. I just, I don't, Duke kind of feels like they just, it feels like something's missing. Like, And Kay tried to hint around it that, you know, they've gone through a lot to stop and go and all this other stuff. There there are 128 other Division One teams going through the same thing. Yep. And Duke hasn't left campus. Duke, they're 2-2, two and two and they played all four games at home, at, at which is home. what they always do. Mm-hmm. Duke always plays at home in December. Like, that that's why I'm not worried about Carolina. I, I'm a little concerned about Duke because typically Duke is what they are early in the year, and they're that way throughout. Rarely mm-hmm. do you see a Duke team get progressively better as the year goes on. Yeah. Um, the ones that do end up winning something at the end. Like in 2015, that team got better defensively as the year went on, and you could see it. So by the time they got to the national championship game, it made sense that Duke was the national champion by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, although they did escape a potentially 40-0 Kentucky team that year. Yep. So, yep, um, they did. The, the, with, with Carolina, they go on the road in the beginning months of the year, every year. And they go to places that Duke won't go. They'll go to Wofford. They'll go to Elon. They'll go to UNC Asheville. Mm-hmm. They'll go to Maui. They'll go to – last year they traveled to Stanford and they played did. there. You know, they, they they'll, did. they'll go to all these places in the, in the beginning part of the year, and you, you're going to see bumps and they're going to lose two or three times. But by the time they get to conference play – the guards have settled down, and they kind of know their identity. And Carolina, you can progressively see them get better as the year goes on. Duke kind of plateaus. And I'll be honest with you, no other team in college basketball has been affected as much by not having crowds as the Duke Blue Devils. Exactly. Like Cameron Indoor Stadium might be one of the smallest facilities in all of college basketball. Division One, it only seats like 9,000 kids. But it's the most intimidating by far. It is. Um, a lot of teams psych themselves out before the ball is tipped, just looking around the crowd, you know, like just they're right there on top of you. I don't know if, if you had not a chance to the camera yet, but they are right Ooh, there. It's like there. A, a rabid high school gym. <laughs> it's like a rabid high school gym in there. And those kids that do feed off of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it long term, too, because mm-hmm. uh, we have no idea when everything's going back to normal. This is going to affect Duke this year. And I think kids around the country that are considering going to Duke are looking at this and having second thoughts about having Duke on their yep. top 10, top five. Cause if you can't play at Cameron in front of kids, why are you going to do like, exactly the number one reason why Zion said that's, he went, he wanted that's to the go and biggest play re- in front of those kids. That's the biggest reason. That's the absolute yeah. biggest reason they went to that. He went to Duke. the absolute it's biggest reason. It, it is. That, it is, it's man. That, it's something, it's something about that building. And as much as I dislike Duke, I respect Duke. Mm-hmm. The point where I know what it is, mm-hmm. and that team knows what it is. Kay doesn't want to put it down as an excuse, but he knows what it is. Yes, he does. That, that Duke crowd in Cameron is good for eight to ten points a game, in my opinion. Yeah, I've watched are. that Duke that Duke program come from behind in games they had no business coming behind them <laughs> because they were getting hurt on by the fans. None the fans whatsoever. Turnovers, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> someone hits a big three, the roof gets blown off the place, and it's just like mm-hmm. you just feel like, oh, man, here they come. Yep. They don't have that this year, and they haven't been able to get past Michigan State because of it. Illinois never let them really in the game because no. of it. And they're going to struggle. Like I can't wait to see Carolina come to Cameron with no fans. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that too. And I have had the Cameron Indoor Stadium experience, February second, nineteen ninety five, the Double Overtime Classic. Okay, I oh, playfully that was a good one to go to. I yeah. play. I playfully hate <laughs> Jeff Capel because I'm I'm a Carolina fan. My favorite player is Michael Jordan, but I love seeing that rivalry in person. When in Capel, when Capel hit that half court shot. I didn't have any ears, I didn't have a throat, and I didn't have a voice. That's how loud that when you have 9,300 people breathing down your neck, that's how loud that joint gets. Let's move on. Did Ohio State deserve to have the rules changed for them by the Big Ten to allow them to play in the Big Big Ten Conference Championship even though they played only five games? I weighed in on this to start the show. No. No, Thank they, you. they didn't. They didn't deserve to have it. Ha- I mean, they're basically basically this is a play by the Big Ten for money. Yep. That's really what it is. The Ohio State represents the best opportunity for them to get a team in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. If Ohio State gets in there, then if I'm not mistaken, the league they represent will get money for their appearance. So exactly by putting Ohio State in, by skipping them past this game. Now it's not Ohio State's fault that they couldn't play Maryland 
they couldn't play Michigan this week, mm-hmm. and I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, Michigan State, I can't remember who it was. Somebody that they couldn't play. They've missed three conference games due to the other team having COVID issues. Yes. So uh, that part's not their fault. I get it. Right. But they could have just as easily, if they really wanted to show they were one of the best teams in the country, they could have told the Big Ten last night, hey, you know what? Just chill for a bit. We're going to see if we can go schedule a game. We hear Texas A&M is idle this week. They're the number fifth ranked team in the country. We're number four. Mm-hmm. We're going to invite them up here to uh, to Ohio State and see if they want to play us. If they don't want to play us, then we'll we'll talk to you guys, Big Ten, and see what you want to do. Right. Um, Texas A&M would have did it because they can't get into the playoffs without another big win. Exactly. And going up to Ohio State and beating Ohio State, that would have put Texas A&M horseshoe. in the fourth spot. At the horseshoe, and they would have gotten the playoff without. Yeah, they would have. They would have gotten the playoff without even making the SEC championship. And, and um, they would have did it. They would have did it. It brought this. It, it brought this question. Like I said before, I did a quick NBA segment. I opened the show with a rant about this, and so many people who have listened to this show, and you know as well, I am a big time Northwestern fan. It's going to be Ohio State and Northwestern for the Big Ten championship. Would they have bent the rules if Northwestern would have? run into the same problems with COVID? We know the answer to that. The answer is no. But since Ohio State represents the best chance, and I still say bollocks to that, represents the best chance for the Big Ten to get into the tournament, I put a what-if question out there. What if Northwestern goes to Indy and beats Ohio State? Then what? Then A&M will go to the playoffs. And you basically guarantee Clemson and Notre Dame are going to go no matter what the outcome is in the ACC championship. That's mm-hmm. pretty much because I was about to say, it, would it not be so 2020 if after all of this, Northwestern beats Ohio State and they're the, <laughs> they're the Big Ten champion? So Ohio State will be sitting there with one loss. Yep. They, lost to Ohio, they lost to Northwestern, which was in hindsight would be a poor loss for them. Yep. And then you're going to have Florida. You have two SEC teams sitting at five and six at A&M and Florida. A&M and Florida. Uh, and, You'd have to move AM up to five. You have I, to. What I would love to see happen is to have them move Cincinnati up to five, but that yeah. won't happen. So. Yeah, that, that won't. You you know yeah. I'm selfish. I would love to see them uh, bump Northwestern way up. Okay? The only reason where, Northwestern. Where is Northwestern ranked right now? 14. You know, where they're ranked at 14. right now? 14. Coming into this week. And they lost. Push them, they pushed them into the top 10, but yep. they wouldn't get them that close up there. But, I, yeah. I know. The only way they would have been in the conversation to say if they if they didn't lay an egg at Michigan State and even though they did right. lay an egg at Michigan State they're still the Big Ten West champions because nobody was nobody in the Big Ten West was beating Northwestern the way they were playing and after the game they had against Wisconsin where they held them to seven points and held them to less than 200 yards of offense I, I think the Big Ten took notice of the Cats yeah yeah I mean and this is the best case scenario having Ohio State, just allowing them to play Northwestern. I was hoping that they would maybe wait a week and see if Michigan could play next week right? and then play because it's two weeks away. I mean, they still mm-hmm. could have got it in just for the rivalry aspect. I'm a yeah. huge fan of rivalries. And, and Ohio State-Michigan, other than Alabama-Auburn or USC-Notre Dame, yeah. is up there as one of the top college football rivalries of all time. So yep. to not have it is a huge blow to the sport. So, I, I mean, I I know Michigan's down, but in any good rivalry, you know, anybody can win it any given Saturday in this instance. But, uh, it's, it's you know, true. Michigan's probably deep down, probably glad they're not playing it's Ohio true. State because Ohio State probably would have dropped about 50 on them this year, to be honest. <laughs> In the in, in the first convenient. half, like, uh, like it's it's a convenience. Like Kurt said last week, <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, Her- Kurt Herbstreit hinted at this last week and got yelled at by the entire media. Yep. And then five days later, it actually happened exactly the way he said it was going to happen. So I don't know. <laughs> he, he's hinted at it. A, he's hinted at it a couple times, and it's happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's he said yeah. it. A, he said it a couple times. He said it two years ago. And the what does Ohio State do? He they dropped sixty two on him. They dropped sixty two yeah. on him. In their house, their programs are just, their programs are just so. Which makes me think now is the time for Jim Harbaugh to just exit because yep. their programs are just so. They're just at different levels right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, but it is what it is with them. Yeah. All right, we're going to the bottom. We're going to the bottom of the hour. We got a couple more notes here on the sports buffet with Desmond Johnson joining me here. James Harden and I know you've been itching to talk about this. James Harden has told the Houston Rockets. He would be open to a trade to a contender. I'll stop there briefly and let y'all marinate on that. 
The Sixers have emerged as a team mentioned, and I'm trying not to laugh, most often with former Rockets GM Daryl Morey now running the team. Here's a great question. It's not where James Harden will start. Where will he finish this upcoming season? Honestly, I think he's going to be in Houston. I don't think he's going to get traded because Houston doesn't have a reason to trade him other than him being unhappy. Mm -hmm. But he's unhappy because they haven't won a title. And they've tried to get him two backcourt running mates, and it hasn't worked. And Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, one's a a former league MVP, and the other one's the point god. I mean, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. So (laughs) if if you could, I mean, seriously, that's his nickname, his point god. I mean, like, he's going to go in the Hall, and you couldn't get it to work with him. Right. I I think Harden is going to. He's in Houston now, from my understanding. He can't practice until he passes like seven COVID tests or something in a row because mm-hmm. uh, he skipped training. He skipped the first day of training camp to go to a birthday party. Um, <laughs> I, I, he's mad. He's mad at management right now. He's thinking that he can pout his way out of town, mm-hmm. but really all the leverage is with Houston. Houston doesn't have to trade him, and they're not going to trade him for a bag of rocks. Like you, no. you got to bring back a top ten guy if you're going to trade out James Harden. Absolutely, is that Ben Simmons. <laughs> mm, I'd rather ask for Joel Embiid, to be honest. Like, yes. If they're, if they're really serious about getting them, I'd be like, yo, throw, jo- throw in Joel Embiid and, and uh, right. you know, we'll talk. But I, I don't know. And then I'm looking at the Rockets roster. It's not that bad. I was talking to uh, Brandon Blakeney about this the other day. They traded for John Wall. So you got John Wall at the point, Harden at the two. They signed DeMarcus Cousins. We have no idea what he looks like. But if he's even remotely close to being back to where he was two years ago, mm-hmm. there's your center right there Yep. Uh, who can actually get out there to shoot threes. You still have uh, P.J. Tucker and the majority of the core that you had last year, just minus Russell Westbrook and an addition of John Wall. And mm-hmm. so you still have a team to compete, but the West, the West may have gotten better in the yeah. offseason, or at least or at least older. The West has gotten older. I mean, yeah. all these teams we keep saying they're too young, they're too young, like the Pelicans, the Nuggets, the Jazz, mm-hmm. the Blazers. They're all going to be better. They're all yeah. going to be better this year because they're all a little bit older. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the Clippers are going to still be there. Yep. I don't believe in them, but they're going to be there. They're going to win 45 big games. You, you know then, they are. You know uh, they are. And then, the, and then you got the Lakers, who everyone's trying to figure out how to beat with LeBron playing as if he's 26 years old. I think Anthony Davis is going to have an MVP year. They're both locked up on some, on good long-term deals now. They gave the Lakers flexibility to go after a third max guy uh, in like a year. Like the Lakers are set up to do stuff the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. As long as LeBron is at 80% of what he's playing right now or higher, if they're higher, then no one's going to beat him in a seven-game series. If he's at 80% of what he's doing right now, which would be 23 points per game, six assists, right. six rebounds. Right. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, in year 18, like, <laughs> I'll take it. Like, that, that's good enough to go win an NBA title. And then they, they just they, – they, they subtracted the guys that were on the team that were fringe guys that ended up playing key roles like Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. Ray John Rondo, mm-hmm. and they upgraded every single spot for a person that left. So – where do I think James Harden's going to be? I think he's going to be in Houston. I think he's going to be miserable. Yeah, he Maybe is. he'll get traded in the offseason after this year. But yeah. I think he's going to be stuck there until next year. Then he'll be at the end of his uh, current contract with a year to go, and Houston will be in a situation where they can lose him for nothing. Yeah. So I think at that point, if they haven't convinced him by the end of this year, they may it may be like Anthony Davis in New Orleans situation where they trade him uh, at the end of the year after they realize that you know he's not going to play. Right, 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 right. One more. What NFC team would be the most fun to watch in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs? If you were uh, – we'll start there. What NFC team would be the most fun to watch in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs? Hmm. NFC? I, I would love to see an Aaron Rodgers versus Pat Mahomes duel in the Super Bowl. The problem is I don't trust Green Bay's defense. So I don't know Thank how much you. of a duel it would be. I think, yeah, I think the Chiefs <laughs> would probably kind of run away with that after a while. I, I mean, so it really comes down to yep. what defense in the NFC can can really slow down the Chiefs. And honestly, it's in New Orleans. It's the Saints. The Saints mm-hmm. have the best defense in like the whole league, and it's mm-hmm. not even close. But I don't want to see Pat Mahomes versus Taysom Hill because we talked about this. I don't think Drew Brees is going to play football again. Right. He has we, 11 we did. ribs and a punctured lung. Like I just don't see it. Yeah, we we did <laughs> so, talk about that. All right, last one. Yeah, if, I, last one. If you were Panthers owner David Tepper, at what point do you start to think about shutting down Christian McCaffrey 
for the season with his array of injuries. If I'm if I'm Taffer, it would have been two weeks ago. Yeah, and I would have started thinking about it. But you know, but I've seen uh, head coach Matt Rules talk about it, and he, he makes a lot of sense. Of course, it's the right thing to say in terms of what kind of coach would I be if I'm coaching, thinking that well, this game doesn't matter because we're not going to the playoffs, yep. and I shouldn't play this guy or that guy. I get that totally, which is why it wouldn't be his decision. It would be above him. <laughs> it would be the, the guy that pays <laughs> everyone. It would be yeah. on David Tepper to decide this. Yep. And if David Tepper comes down from the front office and says, hey, I'm paying McCaffrey the largest run, uh, running back contract in the history of the NFL, and as, as we sit here today, he's had an injured ankle, an injured shoulder, and now we find out he's dealing with a strength uh, quad muscle that he hurt earlier this week coming mm-hmm. back in practice, and he was limited on Wednesday. Yeah, There's four games left. He's going to probably try to play Saturday or Sunday against uh, the Broncos. But if I was Tepper, I would, I would start say thinking no. about it after this, after right now. I would have said yep. it two weeks ago, but now I'd be like, okay, after the Broncos, if the Broncos, uh, after that game, mm-hmm. it, I would start thinking about it, depending on what happens in that game. Uh, I'd be a little tentative to play him in that game if he's got a string quad. That's when yeah. you start to get to, you know, more bigger injuries because you're nursing other injuries and kind of not trying to affect them. That's when you end up getting hurt even worse. Look at right. Kevin Durant. You know, it's why mm-hmm. Kevin Durant missed the whole year of NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. He, so, I mean, it, it's just, it, I don't know. I, I would probably think about sitting him, but on the other hand, I understand the players wanting to play if he's healthy. He's 100% throw him out there. But if yeah. he's not, there's no reason to throw him out there just because he's on the team. No, there's no no reason to throw him out there. It's like what the Warriors are doing with Klay Thompson. You know, he's gone. He He's lost for another year. So, they brought in some players to replace him, and they told him, you completely relax and you get yourself back in shape, and we know that you're going to join us. Um, it, it's the same thing with McCaffrey. And I agree with you. If I were David Tepper, I would have told him, look, you're done for the season. You get healthy, you relax, and we're paying you to play 16 games. And it's no, it's nothing against McCaffrey. And it's like you said, I know the players want to play. That's what they want to do. Yeah, we, but McCaffrey yeah, to play. Right. Yeah. But McCaffrey is the face of the franchise. McCaffrey is mm-hmm. the person that's taking you deep into the 21st century. You want him around for a while. I agree. I mean, and a lot of people were like, well, you can't shield him in football. He can get hurt on any play. Right. That's true. But he can also hurt things we already know are injured on every play. And mm-hmm. it would be dumb for us to put him out there if he's not 100%. If he's not 100%, don't play him. Right. Where I'm at. If he's 100%, throw him out there. Yeah. If he's 100%, throw him out there. Fine. If, if Especially he's... this week when the Panthers are going to be without key guys because, you know, 10 guys have COVID. Uh, so half the wide receiving room is gone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, my it's like now you just want to look toward 2021 when hopefully things get to normal and this pandemic somewhat, and I put the word someone in there, subsides. You don't want to risk any, as weird as this season has been and gone, you don't want to take any more risks than necessary. And if you throw Christian McCaffrey out there against the Broncos, it would be so 2020 to borrow from you, my friend, for another injury to happen to McCaffrey in a in a situation where he should have been shut down for the remainder of the year. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Panthers Broncos, one p.m. Sunday on Fox. Yep, <laughs> we'll see what happens. And of course, for those of you on the go, Mick Mixon will have the call on the Panthers Radio Network. This is Desmond Johnson. Follow him on Twitter at Des D E Z underscore three five zero five. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk Panthers on Monday. All right, bro. Always good to talk to you. <sighs> Man alive. What would you do? That's my question of the day. What would you do? It's presented by Beamer Tire and Auto, and I know we're going way off the rails, and I know we owe you headlines for um, the next hour, but we're going to forego the headlines, and I'm going to get right into my picks a little bit later, and then I got a replay of a segment that I did earlier in the week to help uh, compensate for time, but it's always great to talk to Desmond, uh, especially on this Friday edition where I'm I'm on the road, and my honey just brought me some breakfast, and it's a big one. Oh, she brought she brought me a big old breakfast, man, and, and she's going back into uh, record part of her podcast. Yes, Doctor K and I are doing a podcast together. Let me go to a break. The picks are next after this. 
Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Okay, so I'm on the road. I had to get this show in, and now um, my uh, beautiful wife is looking at me, and she's anxious because she knows what I'm going to talk about. It's the Fantastic Friday Football Edition, and Mike DePate has joined me. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure to end the week in style with you here and get a little football pick heading into week 14 of the NFL season. Can you believe it's week 14 and we didn't even think a season was going to happen? And just because I got these two pretty eyes and this big old smile looking at me, I begin with this sentence. How about those Indianapolis Colts? One of the teams that really has surprised a lot of people, but two people they didn't surprise you and myself, my friend, we knew that the Indianapolis Colts had a strong nucleus. I believed in Philip Rivers coming in, having covered him in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Coming into this uh, situation, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a struggle, but he's handled it very well, and that defense is playing at an elite level. Indy continues to be a formidable team, and I think they're going to be right in the mix of a playoff run. Uh, maybe even take a little bit of a deep dive into that playoff run as well. So Indy's playing very well right now, and they should be proud of what they're building there. Eight and four coming into this week, and I still hold out on my pick of the Colts winning the AFC South. They got some help last weekend with the Titans getting knocked off by the ever-improving Cleveland Browns. We'll touch on them next, but I'm holding out for the Colts to win the division. It's there for the taking. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, and you look at what these teams have been able to do within the division. Tennessee Titans, we both thought they were going to, uh, you know, roll last week or at least be able to give the Cleveland Browns a game and come out on top. Cleveland comes out and takes that game. All of a sudden, you're looking at them. Houston now is sputtering. I mean, to me, Indianapolis has been the most consistent team all year long in that division. I still like Indy to hold out uh, hope and, and be able to take that division. And call me crazy. I know a lot of Titans fans are not going to be happy with that, but I still think they're the class of that division. I got a buddy in Canada who's a big Titans fan, Darren DuPont from the Rod Peterson Show. He's a big Titans fan. And, yeah, they got even when they beat us in our house, but then they go to Cleve they, they go home, I beg your pardon, and they get rolled by, once again, an ever-improving Cleveland Browns club, and that's where we go next. How about those Cleveland Browns? Nine and three coming into this week, but you know how I think. You know I'm old school. The other shoe needs to or has to drop somewhere, but credit to Kevin Stefanski and company, they're not letting it drop. No, they're not. I mean, and you take a look at what the difference can make in a year when you have competent head coaching and when you don't have competent head coaching. And look, I'm not going to turn this into a bull session on Freddie Kitchens. Sure, he's a great guy. I've never had a chance to talk to him personally or meet him, but this is what a true head coach can do with talent. And you're seeing what Kevin Stefanski has done. Uh, this Cleveland Browns team at nine and three, they're for real. They're going to give you a game. I do agree with you. There is another shoe, I think, to drop, but good coaches find a way to keep that shoe up in the air and until he does Cleveland's going to keep riding the era of good feelings so good for them nine and three they'll be in the playoffs and I think this is going to be an interesting uh, game especially coming up against the Baltimore team that I know they'd love to get a win against absolutely because Baltimore beat them earlier in the year here's a team that's making a hard push to get into the playoffs in mid-January and that team Crazy as this sounds, is the Minnesota Vikings. On Sunday, they see an old NFC Central foe in Tampa Bay. It, this is the right time. If you're saying Skull Vikings, this would be the right time to say it because Minnesota, they got a last-second win against Carolina. Minnesota's looking good. Minnesota's looking very good, and I tell you, they're going to give the Bucks all that they can handle. Coming off of a bye week, I still am not going to bet against Tom Brady, but at the same time, 
Minnesota, I think, is a better team defensively. I think they're more consistent defensively, and they can put up points. This would not shock me to see the Minnesota Vikings take that game simply because of the way they've played. They, they're playing with confidence. They've got their mojo back. Uh, save for a sputtering at the beginning of the year, they could be right in the thick of contending for a playoff spot, maybe even for that division title, save for the Green Bay Packers who have had a great season. But the Minnesota Vikings could be nipping at their heels if not for that uh, difficult start that they've had. They've really come on lately and are playing some good football. One more surprise team, and it is in Miami. The Dolphins are 8-4 and four in the thick of the race for, the, for an AFC playoff berth. How much fun would it be to see not just Buffalo back in the playoffs, but the Dolphins as well? It'd be fun for, I know a lot of people in New England, if in fact New England cannot get into the playoffs, uh, I know people would love uh, to see Brian Flores succeed and do well. Uh, I, for one, am not shocked to see Miami doing well. I'm surprised that they were able to do so well so quickly, but the minute Brian Flores stepped foot in South Beach, I knew this was going to be a team that was on the rise and that was really capable of being a division contender each and every year. He's got that swagger. He has that ability to get the most out of his players, and he's a smart football coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Miami's playing well on both sides. They've got the personnel. As they continue to add pieces, that team is only going to get tougher to defend, tougher to score against. Uh, really, I, I, the future is very bright for Miami. And all those people that were calling the AFC East the AFC least a few years ago, I know the NFC's taken that, <laughs> that uh, mantra this year. Yeah, they but have. All the people that were saying that the AFC East was a weak division, uh, they're going to get their wish. This is going to be a strong division for years to come with teams like Buffalo, teams like Miami. Uh, you know, who knows what the Jets, uh, you know, status is going to be after the draft. Maybe they have, you know, a new quarterback and Trevor Lawrence coming in, still up in the air on that. And as long as the hoodie's patrolling the sidelines, you cannot count the Patriots out of no. anything. So you're looking at four teams right now that could be contending and could be at each other's uh, throats for years to come. Absolutely. And I'm going to love how that is going to shape out. All right, folks, it's about that time. But a reminder, put your action on the NFL, UFC, golf, and much more during these coming holidays. If you sign up today at action247.eu and use the code SNOWMAN, you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit all right my man let's make some picks and we're gonna start in chicago a team i thought would win the division has taken a nosedive which may end up having them clean house they get deshaun watson and the houston texans a good glimpse into what could have been it's an even bet right now but i'm going with the road team i love my bears but i gotta go with the road team and deshaun watson and deshaun watson is not only the difference but he's also the reason they'll win yeah and i'm going with the houston texans in this one as well and look there would be nothing that would make me happier than to close the week by saying that the team that's going to win starts with a c ends in an o and has a hickag in the middle but unfortunately, I just can't go there right now. I think Deshaun's playing at a very high level. Uh, the Bears' defense will do some to slow him, but eventually I think he's the difference maker simply because I just don't trust the Bears to put up any points on the board. If their defense, if they had a competent offense, I would be, I would not have a problem picking the Bears in this. But I just think they just, they just don't have it. I, I go with the Texans on this one, and I think they'll. Uh, to win this, uh, not going away, but comfortable, a little more than a field goal. To South Beach for the Chiefs and the Dolphins. The Chiefs now tied for the top record in the AFC at 11-1, and facing a young and good and growing Miami ball club. Chiefs are favored by seven. You know what? I trust Patrick Mahomes. I love you, Miami, but I'll trust Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're going to put up 30 again. Give me the Chiefs, and I'm laying the points. Yeah, I would love to say that Miami could pull the upset here. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, would like to see that happen to bring parity. But I'm going with Patrick Mahomes in this one as well. I think the Dolphins, even though they're continuing to play well, big test for them. The Chiefs right now look like one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. I think they do enough to win. going to be closer than people think. Miami will hang around, but I do like the Chiefs in this one by a touchdown. Yeah, I think the Chiefs will go two for two in the state of Florida. Cardinals and Giants from MetLife Stadium. Arizona laying a pair against the, dare I say it, NFC East leaders. You know something? I'm going with a home team, and I'm taking those points. I'm going with the Giants. 
I'm going with the home team, and I'm taking the points as well. The Cardinals have lost three straight. They're really struggling on offense. Uh, I don't think this is just an isolated thing with uh, uh, with Arizona. I think there may have been a little bit of a blueprint laid down a couple of weeks ago by the New England Patriots and by a couple of teams in Los Angeles Rams, another one, about trying to take it away from this Arizona offense. Daniel Jones should be back in this game for New York at quarterback. If he is, I like the fact that they're going to be able to move the ball. Joe Judge doing some good things. I like the Giants in this one. I think they take this. I like the Giants in this one, too, especially at home. Vikings and Buccaneers from Florida. Tampa Bay favored by six and a half in this game. On the surface, that would be my pick, but, you know, I'm feeling a little bit of Paul Allen and the Vikings in this one. It'll be close. So I'm going to take the Vikings, but I'm also going to take the points because I know Tom Brady can go off at any moment. Yeah, and that's why I'm taking the Vikings. That's why I'm taking the Bucks, and I'm leaving the points because I've seen Tom Brady do this so many times. Coming off of a bye week, he is so strong, so well prepared, and I think Tom's going to be playing with a little thorn under his paw. I think he's getting tired of the chatter that's going on around him. Uh, I think he's being tired of being called an old man. I think he proves that he's still got some left in the tank. I like the Bucks in this one. I don't like them going away. This is going to be close. Not going to be a blowout but I think Tampa Bay takes this one by a touchdown. Late game in Las Vegas. The Colts and the Raiders, 4-0-5 is the kickoff. The Colts are favored by three in this game. Good. The Raiders need to be knocked back to reality, and who better to do it than a former AFC West quarterback in Phillip Rivers. I will give those three points, and I'm picking the Indianapolis Colts to go to 9-4. and four. Yeah, without question. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts to go 9-4 and four as well. Look, this is a big game in the playoff race. Raiders didn't look good in their victory against the Jets. They pulled it out because, let's face it, I'm sorry to say it, it's the Jets. But the Colts are playing consecutive road games. They beat Houston last week, uh, put a lot into that division game. I think they carry that momentum into this one, and I think they take this against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, let's go to Detroit. Packers and Lions, Green Bay favored by seven and a half. I don't pick many Packers games, but I'd be stupid not to take this one, especially I'm going to make this a lock on action247.eu. I'll go ahead and lock it in. I'll take the Packers, and I'm giving the seven and a half. Yeah, I am too. The Packers are just rolling on offense. I don't see a way that the Lions can slow down Aaron Rodgers and that offense uh, of the Green Bay Packers. The Lions may put together some points. They may be able to put it up. I know Matt Stafford's well more than capable of putting points on the board, but it's going to come down to Green Bay offense continuing to play well. Packers take this one, and they take it comfortably. Late game in Arizona as the 49ers are displaced, but who cares? They're playing Washington, both teams 5-7. and seven. Washington has a chance to eke up in the division, but they're going to face an angry shorthanded 49er ball club they knew they could have beaten buffalo last monday night they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder and like you with the patriots i'm going to stick with my team until the final game of the season 49ers are favored by three lock it in i'm going to take the 49ers and i'm giving the three points I'm taking the 49ers, and I'm giving the three points as well. Look, the Niners struggled in their loss to the Bills. We saw them do it. Washington coming off of an impressive road victory against the Steelers. But this is a second straight road game on a short week. That's very tough to do. I think the Niners get back on track on defense. I think they win a low-scoring one, but I do like the Niners to come out on top in this one. Sunday night football from Rich Stadium in Buffalo. It's the Steelers and the Bills. Steelers 11-1. The Bills are 9-3. and Buffalo's favored by two and a half in this game. And you know something? As much as I expect the Steelers to get back on track, if anybody remembers the old Rich Stadium where Jim Kelly called home for 14 years, Buffalo gives Pittsburgh hell when they come to Western New York. And that's exactly what I'm expecting. I'm going to pull a surprise and I'm going to go with the Bills and I'm going to lay the points. I'm going with the Bills, and I'm laying the points, too. Look, both teams playing short week after Monday. Buffalo comes in feeling a lot better, and I think that makes the difference in this one. They're playing well. Joshua Allen, we talked about it earlier, lighting up the 49ers. Uh, the Steelers have a much better defense, I think, right now, but that Buffalo defense is getting healthy, and they're capable of matching the Steelers play for play when these two units are at their full strength. They showed some flaws against Washington, and I think Buffalo takes advantage of it. I do believe that the Bills will take this one and knock uh, Pittsburgh back to 11-2. and two. 
Let's wrap things up with a Monday night football game in Cleveland. Yes, it is happening. The Ravens and the Browns. AFC North, uh, second place in the AFC North, hangs in the balance, which means a high seed in the AFC in the AFC playoffs. You know, the Ravens are feeling good after running over the Cowboys, but then you run into Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to do something I rarely do. Baltimore's favored by a point, but I'm going to go with the home team, and I'm going to take that point. I'm going with the home team, and I'm taking the point as well. Look, I know Baltimore needs this to keep their playoff hopes alive, but this is more of a proving game for the Browns, and I think the Browns show up season long they've been under the radar they really haven't been getting the national coverage that a lot of people thought when you have the history that the cleveland browns have in the last few years it's easy to find out why most national uh, you know pundits would probably shy away from taking them but i believe in the browns right now and i think they get this one i think they take it by a field goal no more but the cleveland browns will take this the browns when they played on Monday night last year, they got scorched by the 49ers. It's a different round, Browns ball club. It's a different leadership, and they are going to take care of business against the Ravens. Put your action on the NFL this weekend with all the picks that we just did, plus golf and much more all through the holidays and all through the Super Bowl. If you sign up today, use the code SNOWMAN and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you go to action247.eu. It allows you to gamble on hundreds of sports leagues around the world. Action247.eu, an affiliate sponsor of Snowman in the Morning. And this is Mike DeBate, who always joins me each week for some picks. And it's a great way to not only close out the week and close out uh, close out this segment, but it's a great way to close out this brief road trip that I had to take. I'll be back home in Carolina on Monday, and Mike will join me throughout the week as we get closer to the playoffs. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I appreciate it. Always my honor. Always my pleasure. Stay safe. Stay well. You and the missus have a great weekend. Enjoy the weekend slate. Do it again next week, and I'm already looking forward to it. Yes, buddy. sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, my friend. That's going to do it. We're going to pack up and head the heck up out of here, but uh, we got a couple stops to make first before we get home to Carolina. I'll be back in studio beginning on Monday. Let me thank uh, Beamer Tire and Auto, as well as Desmond Johnson, who came on earlier today. Let me thank Adrian Snow, head coach from West Forsyth High School, who came on uh, who came on came on this week. Mike DeBate, as well, for always coming on. And I want to thank you, the fans, that tune in to the show no matter how you tune in to the show, be it via Facebook, via Tobacco Road Sports Radio, the SDM Sports Network, however you tune in, thank you for tuning in. The podcast will be available after noon today on all of your favorite apps. We got to get out of here because we got to go home. So until Monday when I'm back in studio in North Carolina, have a great weekend. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I am, and I hope you all are too. Gotta go. We're out of here. See ya. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. I know this was originally scheduled for last for those of you that, uh, uh, pay attention to Snowman in the Morning on Facebook as well as Twitter. But going to flip things around. I got Mike DeBate coming at the at uh, uh, the, 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 the bottom of this hour. That's what I wanted to say. But I want to talk a little baseball. Earlier this week, Major League Baseball has revamped the minor leagues. Up to 43 clubs will lose their coveted affiliations with Major League franchises. And some towns may lose minor league baseball altogether. And I don't like that because y'all know I love baseball and I love covering baseball. And I covered minor league baseball for a time. All 30 major league franchises will have a class AAA team, a AA team, a high class A, and a low class A. Four affiliates 
with one club. Man, I don't know how that's I don't know how that's going to work. The annual amateur ja- draft will now be 20 rounds instead of 40. There is no more short season or rookie leagues in the Northeast, the Rockies and the Appalachians. Burlington North Carolina's minor league team will move into the Appalachian Collegiate Summer League, and I hope to have a shot to call their games. Greensboro and Winston-Salem will keep their teams. Winston-Salem, along with Charlotte, Birmingham, and Kannapolis, will be under the White Sox system. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. The Winston-Salem Dash will remain in high A. The Greensboro Grasshoppers will move up to high A. So the triad may get Dash versus Hoppers matchup in 2021. If that's the case, my buddy Connor Klingen will be down here. And I plan to visit him. I'm going to bring the wife so he can meet the wife. And, uh, you know, we, we hang out. You know, mm, I am not in favor of contraction and shrinking the sport. Because you take a lot of the... I'm going to sound like a contrib... You take a lot of the growth away. Not only do you take a lot of the growth away, you take a lot of the history away. When you take a lot of the history away, what do you have left? Now, with the amateur draft shrunk to 20 rounds instead of 40, there are some players who are going to play for some small colleges that are not going to have a fair chance to get into the majors. Hell, even get into the minors. They're going to be overlooked. Now, I know there are a lot of players that get overlooked anyway, even with the 40-round draft, but now you have more of a chance to have that happen. You have more of a chance to have that happen. And that's what really upsets me the most about this contraction. You're taking opportunities away. Both the coaches that I had on this week, Adrian Snow as well as Todd Willard, when I talked about the contraction of the schedule from 11 games to 10, and I talked about the NCHSAA championships being contracted from 8 to 4, said it perfectly. You take opportunities away from the kids. You take opportunities away from the ones where opportunities like this are meant for. Those are the kids. And I hate that. I, I absolutely hate that. It's just... It just makes me so mad. It makes me so mad to see this happen. And now instead of only... Instead of only, I don't know, the more I read this, the angrier I get. And the angrier I get, the more I want to be the, be the person, being the baseball rat that I am to solve this. And I can't believe, you know, mm, I'm I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry. I am at a loss for words. And I I just can't I, I can't think right now. To see so many kids already not have opportunities, that's one thing. But to have but to have even more opportunities but to have those opportunities just just taken away from them opportunities to be seen opportunities to be drafted opportunities to play 
opportunities to play. And I hate when opportunities are taken away. Fairly or unfairly other or otherwise. I hate to see opportunities taken away. I hate that. I better stop before I say something I'm going to regret. Mike debate after this.